0: Hey everyone, my name is Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. Once again, a solo episode. I will explain why after I tell you this. We come to you from Mokinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Sutina Nations, the Iyahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of southern Alberta. You can find out what native lands you're on by looking at native Land. Dot .ca the sources for our show today and i promise it, it it's not don't don't let these scare you away triblive.com CBC.ca, saber.org hockeydb.com and espn.com now wait just a minute i know look i know i'm the sports dude i know that your favorite part of the show is missing again and we apologize for that we will correct this later but um first of all this episode has two of the weirdest, most hilarious sports quirks in the history of ever, so just stay with me, I promise it gets entertaining. Secondly, an explanation. Um, we told you a couple of weeks ago, I think we told you, if we didn't, we meant to, that, and I mean, let's be honest, you probably know. Um, we went on a hike, it was a very long hike, uh, my, my delightful co-host, uh, which is quite the way to describe one's wife, um, fell ill. Afterwards, she's fine now, uh, but she wasn't for a few days, and so that significantly hindered our ability to research a show. And then, um, for those of you who don't know, it is Calgary Stampede time where we reside, and my wife's, uh, Kim, I can name her, uh, Kim's real person job, a real life job, is as a promotions director for a major radio station in the city, and uh, thusly... There's a lot of promotions around the Calgary Stampede. So she has been very busy. I have been very busy. There's a lot of stampede stories to write. People are having free breakfasts all over the place. It's amazing. So uh, this is a solo one. We are hoping that either Kim's going to have a solo one or we will get together again later this week in in podcast form. In real life, we're fine. Uh, But today, I'm using this opportunity to flex my sports muscle, but in a way that will entertain and amaze you. As we talk about... Two of the weirdest, most hilarious, kind of depressing contracts and contract situations in the history of professional sports. For many people, July 1st means a number of different things. We've talked about the complexities of that in this country, but for two men, Rick DiPietro and Bobby Bonilla, July 1st means payday in the most spectacular ways possible let me explain. We will start with Rick DiPietro. On June 4th, 2000, DiPietro becomes the second goalie in history to be selected first overall in the NHL draft. Reading up on this, there were a few publications that said he was the first goalie selected first overall. That is incorrect. A fellow was drafted in 1968. His Wikipedia page literally just said he was a goalie who played in the National Hockey League, but he went first overall. In this current format, he was the first goalie. Either way, at worst, he's the second goalie in NHL history, drafted first overall. To make room for Di Pietro on the roster, the Islanders traded Roberto Luongo along with Oli into to the Florida Panthers. Remember that for later. It did not start well for Di Pietro, who had an amazing year in college. This wasn't a pick that was a major, if I remember at the time, I was 10. But if I recall at the time, this was not a pick that was widely criticized or mocked or anything like that. This seemed like a, hey, this guy balled out this year. The Islanders, do they need a goalie? Well, they had Kevin Weeks and Roberto Luongo, so history would say probably not. But the Islanders made the move to go get themselves a Rick DiPietro and... Well, you'll see how it played out. Anyway, it didn't start well for DiPietro, as an injury kept him in the minors to start his rookie season. He was called up for his debut on January 27th, 2001. That season he played 20 games, winning just three of them on a bad Islanders team. For those who are unaware, the way it works is that the worse your team is, the more likely your odds are of getting the number one overall pick. As the Islanders were afforded that luxury, they sucked and Di Pietro could not keep them from sucking. In 2001-2002, things are starting to turn around. Not for Di Pietro, but for the team. Di Pietro only plays in 10 games, but he did get to play in a playoff game. So hey not all bad, right? Uh, He became the team's primary starter in 2003-2004. That season, he had a 2.36 goals against average, and in 50 games he had a record of 23-18-5. That last number is ties because they still had those gross disgusting things in 2004. So, it's getting it's getting better for DiPietro. He is progressing. He is winning more games than he is losing. He's only allowing two goals a game, which means we only have to score three. That seems like something we should be able to do if we want to be a successful hockey team. The lockout hits after the lockout. Uh, the 2005-2006 season, DiPietro compiles a record of 30-24-5. So again getting a little bit better. Uh, he had a 302 goals against average and a 900 save percentage in 63 games that season, which was his fourth in New York. In the 2006 offseason, this is where it gets amazing. Di Pietro signs a 15 year, 67.5 million dollar contract at the time, the contract was believed to be the longest in NHL history and second only in major sports or North American major sports history to the 25-year $25 million contract that Magic Johnson signed with the LA Lakers in 1981. At the time, uh, NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly told the Canadian press quote, clubs are free to make their own decisions within the confines laid out in the collective bargaining agreement and other applicable league rules. Some decisions turn out well, others. Not so well. Time will tell whether this will be a good decision or a bad one for the Islanders. Now, that seems like a bit of a cliffhanger, but I'm sure deductive reasoning would lead you to the fact that there's a pretty good chance I'm not doing this on a history podcast if we just went, yeah, and then the next 15 years were super awesome, and he just got paid this last year, and that's that. This thing takes a bit of a turn, uh, but first a few more details. D.P. Etro, just to give you a bit of a context of the time, D.P. Etro received four point five million dollars U.S. in each season of the deal, which uh, would rank the uh, the twenty four year old. Sorry, I couldn't read my own notes. Uh, which would rank the at the time twenty four year old goalie. 8th among NHL goalies for the 0607 campaign. For reference, Nikolai Khabibulin of the Blackhawks was the league's highest paid netminder at 6.75 million dollars. And this is something that I think gets forgotten about. Again, we're going to get how this turns out poorly. And should you sign any professional athlete to a 15 year contract? Probably not. They play sports. As you find out later on, things happen when you play sports. But. He, the, the bus term gets thrown around a lot with Ricky Pietro, and it, it, it at least was trending okay for him. Uh, was he the 8th best goalie going into the 2006-2007 season? Probably not. Well, was there reason for the Islanders to believe that he couldn't get to maybe that level? I don't know, probably not, like... I think history kinda clouds this a little bit more, like he just didn't know how to stop the puck, at one point he was just facing backwards because he really didn't know what to do, and the Islanders gave him a thousand million bajillion dollars. That's not exactly how it played out. Was it a dumb contract at the time and forever? Yes, it was. Was that Rick DiPietro's fault? No, it wasn't. I just feel like history kinda clouds this one a little bit. The next season, he plays in 62 games, winning 32 of them. The year after that, he plays 63 games, winning 26 of them. Starting in the 2008 season, he would play 50 more NHL games. Total. The most he played in a season was 26 in the 2010-2011 season. So how do we get to that point? Well, in 2008-2009, he had two knee surgeries and missed it, uh, missed extended time three times. He came back in 2010 and was healthy for less than a month. When he was listed as day-to-day with the flu, a month later, knee swelling caused him to go on the injured list for the rest of the season. In 2010-2011, he was placed on the injured reserve with knee swelling on December 21st, 2010. When he came back, Dwayne Rollison had taken over the starter's role, but DiPietro was able to get into the lineup. Old Slick Rick, or as they, they called him uh, in New York, Rickety DiPietro, which is just mean. Um... He played well in a couple of games. So the Islanders, not learning from the last time they traded away a goalie because they had Rick DiPietro, traded Dwayne Rollison off to the Tampa Bay Lightning on New Year's Eve 2010, making DiPietro the full-time starter. So again, for reference, December 31st, 2010. They trade uh, Dwayne Rollison away, who'd been playing all right. DiPietro is uh, the guy for the New York Islanders. On February 2nd, (laughs) Di Pietro gets into a goalie fight with Brent Johnson, who knocked him out and broke his jaw. This kept him out for the majority of the rest of the season. So we head into the 2011-2012 campaign. Our face hurts, but we are well rested. However, we find ourselves as Al Montoya's backup because of his amazing name, but also because of how well he played in Di Pietro's absence. Di Pietro gotta earn that time back. How do you do that? You look good in practice. What happened in practice for the Islanders third game of the season? DiPietro takes a shot up high which gave him a concussion, kept him out for a month. Shortly after he returned, he injured his groin. He later needed surgery to repair a hernia, ending his season. In the 2012-2013 season, he played just three games with the Islanders before he was waived and sent to Bridgeport of the American Hockey League. Here is the thing about being placed on waivers. And then, subsequently clearing them every team in the league has a chance to bring you in and all they have to do is take your uh, salary all they have to do is just yeah we will take your contract we don't have to give you guys anything we will just absorb this human being onto our roster and uh, 30 teams at the time yeah 30 um 30 nhl teams were like nah man we're good That's gotta suck, dude. Uh, DiPietro allowed 12 goals in his Islanders appearances and didn't earn a win in 18 games with Bridgeport. He went 9-9 with a 2.93 goals against average and an 8.93 save percentage. The New York Islanders and Rick DiPietro were at an impasse. Clearly, it was not working. Clearly, it was time for both sides to move on. DiPietro had eight years left on his contract. Now for NHL teams, there was this thing called a compliance buyout, which meant that they could um, absorb a bit of a cap hit on their team. It would be or on on their salary cap page or whatever, because in, in the NHL, again, for people who don't know, um, teams are only allowed to spend X amount of dollars on players. I, this upcoming NHL season, it's 82. I, I believe at the time... It it certainly wasn't that. I think it was in the 60s. I think at the time he signed the contract, it was around $44 million. So you have to kind of figure this all out. And for an NHL team at the time to have even, uh, what would that be, a 10th or a 12th of your salary cap tied up in a guy who isn't going to play, and when he is, he's either getting his face punched off or he's just not good it becomes a bit of a burden. Clearly no other team in the league was going to take on that salary, so you could do what was called a compliance buyout, which meant you could stretch the remainder of his contract over twice the length of time while paying two-thirds of it. So instead of just eight years, we'll ride it out, we'll see where this thing goes, the Islanders made the call on July 3rd, 2013, to buy out Rick DiPietro stretching out to the final eight years of his contract to be a 16 year contract, which was double the length of time, obviously, as was left on the deal, which means on July 1st, every year, through the end of 2029, Rick DiPietro gets paid $1.5 million from the New York Islanders organization. That $1.5 million is still on their salary cap to this day, they continue to uh, be, I, I guess, punished for this contract. It it is something that is brought up mockingly quite a bit, but that has to be like I, I know the the uh, the joke would be, well, if you pay me one point five million dollars, I I would be fine just staying at home. This part would have to suck. As for Luongo, who was traded on draft day to make room for Di Pietro, he took the Canucks to within a game of the Stanley Cup in 2011, won two gold medals for Canada in 2010 and 2014, and will be inducted into the Hall of Fame later this year. It is one thing to say, yeah, I would take that money, but th- this is this dude's life, and he had to live that for eight years, the ups and the downs, I'm getting better, now my face is punched off. Now my knee is swelling and we can't get it to stop and I just have to miss the entire rest of the season. Now I'm feeling a little bit better. Now this guy's in my way. Now he's out of my way. Now I'm hurt again. From just a a real life standpoint, that would have to be infuriating. Yes, there are people who live worse lives than professional athletes and we shed very few tears for people who make $1.5 million a year just for sitting on the couch. But athletes are different, and athletes are wired differently, and that that could not have been easy for Rick Pietro. So while it has turned into a punchline, just remember there is a bit of a human element to it. I know this got depressing. Trust me, it gets hilarious in a second. Uh, not this story, though. In... Um, to wrap it all up, in 318 career NHL games, all with the Islanders, D' Pietro went 100, had 130 wins, 136 losses, eight of those stupid goddamn ties, uh, and 28 overtime losses. Only Billy Smith played more games in goal for the New York Islanders. In 10 career playoff appearances, D' Pietro went two and seven. So it's it's hilarious that he is still getting paid by the Islanders, who classically. Very poorly well, run, very poorly run. Mentioned, they, they traded Roberto a little long away, turns into one of the greatest goalies of, of his generation. They also traded Oliokin in a way, who was a superstar with the Florida Panthers until he came to Calgary, and then he was, eh, he was pretty good. But super duper star for the Florida Panthers. The Islanders also made a bunch of trades that resulted in them bringing in Alexi Ashen, who they were paying until like f- five seasons ago, even though he didn't play uh, like on till 10 seasons ago, like, it, they had kind of the same thing with Alexi Yashin going, that this is not an organization that is known for making smart decisions, and so because of that, it becomes a little bit easier to make fun of this type of a situation, because again, th- he is now working in television, His his last NHL game was in 2013, he's getting paid until 2029. Um, that, that ended his NHL career. He played in the NHL for a little bit, didn't go well. But, like, it's, it's hilarious that a team is playing that. And yes, if I, I got paid, like, when I got laid off, I just got paid the rest of my salary, basically, for that year to stay home and that was amazing. So $1.5 million to then be able to go out and do whatever the fuck you want would be tremendous. But there is a bit of an ego. There is a bit of an, an athlete's competitive edge that would make that a little bit difficult to take and probably made for some very, very difficult, frustrating and extremely lonely years for Rick DiPietro. So while it's hilarious, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a sad tale. This next one is just... Gosh darn hilarious. The other player who collects a paycheck, well, I mean, several of them do, but the other one who collects a paycheck for doing diddly squat is Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla had a much more storied career. He's a baseball player, by the way. Um, Much more storied career than our previous subject. He was part of some very good Pittsburgh Pirates teams in the 1990s before the New York Mets made him baseball's highest paid player in 1991, signing him to a five-year $29 million contract extension. The $6.1 million he made in 1992 was a record for a single season by $2.3 million. He was the highest paid player in 92, 93, and 94 before Cecil uh, Cecil Fielder passed him by making a whopping $9 million. And it's hilarious that less than a decade later, uh, seven years later, I guess, uh, Alex Rodriguez was making $22 million a season and baseball just exploded. But Back to Bobby Bonilla. He's making all this money. The Mets, it's not going tremendously well. He's not quite the player he was with the the Pirates. Still good. Still good. But not quite that guy. So he gets traded to the Baltimore Orioles in 1995. He helps the Orioles to the American League Championship Series in 1996. But he has a chance to leave for free agency, and he does. And he goes to the Florida Marlins, where he wins a World Series in 1997. Now, the Marlins are pretty... um, Throughout baseball history, the Marlins have built up a juggernaut team, won a World Series, tore it down the next year. They did that in 97, and they did that in 2003. Bonilla was a part of that. He got traded to the L.A. Dodgers in a gigantic deal that saw um, Mike Piazza go to the Marlins in exchange for, like, it's Bobby Benia, it's Gary Sheffield, it's a bunch of other dudes. I think Rob Nan was involved, but I could be wrong on that. Now that I say that out loud, that feels like that's incorrect. Uh, So I'm just, I'm going to leave it in because I'm just going now. But anyway, for those who know, that's a gigantic trade. For those who don't, trust me, it was a monster deal in 1998. At this point, things were never really the same. He had had won that World Series. He was a three-time Silver Slugger, which means he was the best hitter at his position in either the National or American League. He was also a six-time All-Star. But the Mets wanted to give it a go. They acquired him from the Dodgers. It didn't go well. It went so not well that at the end of the 1999 season, Bonilla showed up his manager, Bobby Valentine, by staying in the clubhouse playing cards during Game 6 of the National League Championship Series against the Braves, a game and a series that they would lose in the 11th inning. So it was time for things to end. And in 2000, the Mets agreed to buy out the remaining $5.9 million of Bobby Bonilla's contract. However, they got cute. They didn't just say here's $5.9 million, screw off, go somewhere else. They decided in an agreement that I'm assuming did not involve a gun to the head. They agreed, the Mets agreed to pay Bobby Bonilla $1.2 million payments plus 8% interest for 25 years starting July 1st, 2011. At the time, Mets owner Fred Wilpon was involved in a Bernie uh, Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme, which promised uh, double-digit returns, at least 10% return on investment. So the thought being, well, I'm making 10% a year just for waking up in the morning. This is going to pay for that contract and the interest and still be making us money. Plus, I'm the owner of the freaking New York Mets, a team that... 1999 National League Championship Series. Spoiler alert: 2000, they get to the World Series, lose to the Yankees. Mike Piazza gets a broken bat thrown at him by Roger Clemens. It's hilarious. But this is the New York Mets. This is New York. Like they're they're not the Yankees, but they're the Mets, and they make quite a bit of money. Jerry Seinfeld references them on Seinfeld all the time. That they are an extremely valuable property at the time. So, Mr. Wilpon is saying. Pfft. million plus 8% interest. Don't care. Couch cushions. I got them. It'll be fine. Um, Spoiler alert again. That doesn't go great. The Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme, the way, the reason, I mean, the fact that we know that it's a Ponzi scheme suggests that it ends poorly. And so, every July 1st until 2035, Bobby Mania now 59 years old, makes $1.2 million. He played his last game October 7th, 2001. 34 years after his last game, Benia will get his final check from the New York Mets. And for reference, I get ball players are paid a ton of money now, but that's the famous ones. The guys on rookie contracts... Uh, And some veterans who are just hanging around make league minimum, or thereabouts. So, for reference, eight Mets are going to make less from that team in New York this year than Bobby Bonilla will. It is the most hilarious thing. I, I celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day in much grander fashion than Rick DiPietro did, because as we went through, the Rick DiPietro part is depressing. There is nothing in this depressing, aside from the fact that a, a bunch of people lost money in a gigantic Ponzi scheme. But for the purposes of this conversation, it's so fucking funny. Like, it's, and it's, like, I talked about how they're they're a very valuable franchise. That's not for anything they did. It's so Metsy that they did this. Now they have an owner who's willing to dis- been to high heavens to, to make this team good. And so he has embraced this. He has, um, he, he celebrates Bobby Bonilla Day. They want to bring him two queens to celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day at some point in the future because he thinks it's hilarious. Now, he is the guy who is spending so much on his team, there is a uh, luxury tax threshold named after him, so he could give a fuck if he's paying $1.2 million to to Bobby Bonilla. He's actually the guy who has that much money that he can just be like, oh, $1.2 million, whatever. Um, it, It is still the most hilarious thing in the history of professional sports. And I hope, for those of you who are worried that I was just the sports guy, I know we got a little sportsy in there, but it built up to a hilarious conclusion. And I hope that I hope that was worth it for you. So uh, please, 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 please remember to rate, review, subscribe. We thank you so much for downloading and listening as much as you do. My cat just jumped up on the table and scared the hell out of me. Um, hi, Bailey. But we're going to keep rolling. Again, yes, you're a lovely little mic sock. Um, so, yes, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. You can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any uh, subject matter that you would like us to cover, we are very open. Open to suggestions. Otherwise, I'm going to keep doing weird baseball contracts, because there's a ton of them, but none of them are weirder than the one we covered today with Bobby Bonilla. Thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you later. Yeah, later. I'm out.